Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What's up, family? Thank you for tuning in to the Dream Nation podcast. My name is Casanova. I'll be your host, and I'm excited to be bringing to you entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and trailblazers from around the world. Stay locked in with us because we're about to go on a journey that will change your life. Hey, Dream Builder, this episode is powered by Design Crowd. Design Crowd is a website that helps entrepreneurs, startups, and small businesses get creative and quality designs from custom logos to business cards and even web designs. There's a community of over 900,000 designers from all across the world that's ready to bring your idea to life in as little as ours. So head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and see what all the hype is about. What's up, Dream Builder? We are back again with another episode that I'm excited to bring to you because today we have on the line somebody that's going to give you not only wisdom and inspiration, but also the tactical things of how you can change your habits to then be able to make your vision and your dream become a reality. So without further ado, please help me in welcoming my brother, Mr. Andre Young. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being here and you guys listening. Thanks for letting me steal some of your time. Yes, absolutely, my brother. Hey, so I always love to make sure that we give the proper introduction. And the way that mm. I do that is I compare us as entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, change makers to superheroes. And ah. The reason being is because we're constantly flying around the world. We're putting on our cape. And we're trying to solve some of the world's biggest problems. So I know for you, you have been a speaker for a long time and you have been flying around the world solving some of the world's biggest problems. But here's what I want to say. I know we all know who Superman is, right? We know um, what he does, but a lot of the times we can't really describe that Clark Kent behind the scenes. Mm. We don't really know who he mm. is. Right. And so we know a lot of people will know who the Superman is. That's Andre Young in front of the scenes. But behind that S on the chest, tell us who is your Clark Kent? Wow. Well, I I one, I love the concept because I'm big on superheroes as well. Um, and you're right. People know who we are. And too many times as leaders, we over identify ourselves by saving the world or saving or whatever cause we are. And that self-care part of any leader listening to this is being able to take that cape off and find solace in being Clark Kent, find the joys in being Clark Kent and knowing how to take care of Clark Kent because he needs it too, she needs it too. So uh, when I take my cape off and, and, and I love setting it down, you know, I'm a father of four, I'm divorced, I'm remarried and the lessons that I've learned through my journey, through my youth, through my boy days to evolving into a man you know, uh, elevating from being, uh, you know, an employee to a manager, because we all manage before we know how to lead to a leader. Uh, I love escaping as Clark Kent with my kids and my family. When I'm with them, I don't feel, I'm still creating. I still have great ideas, but I put it in my phone and I put my phone down and I get to be with them. I get to be part of their dream. I have my two boys play sports, one basketball, 
one football. My daughter's a musician and I have a one-year-old. So I have a 21-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 13-year-old and a one-year-old. Wow. So uh, life is- uh, So you can get out when you need to. Yeah, pleasantly, it's pleasantly busy. It's not very spontaneous, uh, but it's uh, fun. And, and my wife and I, we have a good time. And once COVID is over, depending on when you're listening to this, I can't wait to get back to exploring this beautiful world we live in. Yeah. No, I, for me, I got two young kids, one nine and then my daughter's three. But it feels like I got a 15-year-old and a 21-year-old. <laughs> and the three-year-old is the 21-year-old. Mm -hmm. so that's what's so crazy about it. But... Man, I, I definitely hear you there. I mean, when you take off that cape, and just like you said, we all love to. And I think that comes with just the power of being uh, transparent, being vulnerable, and being real, right? Being authentic. Because a lot of the times what people show up as, what I found, is not really who they really are. Because mm. they feel like they have to paint a picture, right, of, of what society is, is saying that you need to look like or you need to be. So I appreciate you sharing that. Let's oh, take it back. If I could piggyback yeah. really quickly, the power of the consistency. And that's one of the things that I found in being a professional speaker and, and leadership trainer and author is that whatever your dream is, when you immerse yourself in it and you become consistent with it and you love it, it starts to become who you are because the language that you're using, and I call it personal leadership. It's how you, how I, how we show up to our life our work and our relationships in a way that makes people want to follow us because they enjoy and respect how you are and who you are. Not only when you're on that stage, one of the biggest disappointments is when you meet your celebrity, the person that you admire most and you meet them at the airport or you meet them at the store and they're not how you picture them being. Right. They're not how they are when they're doing their definition of greatness. And I encourage, I implore us all, Let's not be fake about it. Live personal leadership. Whatever you're great, be great in all of the aspects that you play. So when they bump into you, because as a leader, you don't know who's watching. Hmm. They're all watching. So whether you see my videos, you read my book, I did a training in your organization, you saw me on stage. When you meet me off stage, when you bump into me at the grocery store, when I don't know you're looking, am I still the same? Hmm. I love it. I love it. Let me ask, let's take it back. Like, have you always been somebody who has been deep into personal development? No. Like, I know that you have a story. Tell, take us back and tell us a little bit more about your story. Allow us to be able to connect with how you got here today. Um, to answer your question simply, was I always a person in the personal leadership? No. Um, I was not always, my company is called You Evolving Now. I was not always Mr. You Evolving Now. Uh, I grew up in the uh, in inner city Philadelphia, and um, you know I was fortunate where my street. I grew up in the middle of the street, so to speak, or the top of the block. And you go one way, it was heavy drugs and violence, and we had a mobile police station that couldn't leave that corner, or else all heck would really break loose. And, and you know it didn't stop, but it would really just break loose. Up the street um, it was more pleasant. So my parents who were together at the time always drove in us go up the street. Um, when I went to, you know, I started to get into 11th grade and all of a sudden I started getting into this trouble. And the problem was, is because I was the good kid where I was from. And what did that mean by good? I wasn't killing anyone. I wasn't selling drugs and I wasn't getting arrested. So 
I really didn't, you know, everything else around me was going crazy. And then when I transferred, I went to two different high schools and I transferred from a really smart magnet school. I had a really hard time with ADHD. I didn't know it at that time. Um, so I failed a lot of classes. I remember getting four F's, two D's and a C coming out of 10th grade. And I remember my mom looking at the report card, trying to figure out what this letter F was, you know, and I had four big ones. Uh, and then I went to my neighborhood school, my neighborhood public high school in inner city Philly. And it was the worst in the city. Um, I probably went to school once a week for half a day that year. Um, I played sports. I couldn't play because of my grade. So I played semi-pro and um, football. Youngest person that I you know, know have, has done it in at least that area. I was 15 years old playing running back with grown men. And it was quite the experience. Uh, but because I had a dream, once I picked up a football, I fell in love with it. And I married it. And whatever your dream is, I encourage you to marry it. And if you're married, you know that there's things you love to do and there's things you need to do to keep it going. So needing to do one of those things was go to school my senior year. So then I played and got scholarships to go to schools. I accepted the scholarship. Now I'm in college and now I'm getting in heck of a trouble because where I was from, this is normal. What do you mean I can't do this and that? I was just out till two, three in the morning at 15 years old. And now all of a sudden, everything that was the good kid, I'm getting in trouble for and much more. And it wasn't until my third year, my junior year, uh, that I figured out one, how to study. And I looked around and everybody that I came with, 90% weren't there anymore. And I said, well, I've swam too far to turn around and swim back. It's time to finish. And like that, things started to click of what I needed to do from a personal leadership standpoint about my dream and, and what it was going to take to do that. And not to say that it went smoothly because I went through a whole lot more uh, after that, but that was the click of uh, personal leadership. And the, the, the other big part of that is it was, I decided I learned to stop being great only by my definition. Most people are not even willing to do the things that will make them great by their definition. I want this, but I have to do this, this, and this. No, okay. I was okay with wanting this, but I'm going to do what I want to do and what I believe would make me great. And what takes us another level of leadership, of living your best life, is it what's the person who would receive my effort? Is it what they need? So it's in, whether it's in sports, I want to be stronger and I want to be stronger, but my coach needs me to read defenses better. So I'm getting stronger, but I'm not meeting my coach's deepest need. Therefore, I might still be on the bench. You might still be on the bench, getting better at what you want to get better at, having a temper tantrum of, look how much I do. I need to be respected and what I deserve. It could be in your relationship. You're giving this, but they need that. Right. It could be on your job. I'm giving this and I'm willing to do this, but they need that. So let's get out of our own mindset. Let's put down our ego. What do you want to be great at? What are you willing to do? Does it match the deepest need of the other person receiving it? And you marry the two and watch how life takes off when you do it consistently. Man, so much wisdom. 
so much there. And I, I want to tackle the first thing that I know people are, are wondering, and this is this is something when I first heard you say it, personal leadership. I don't know mm -hmm. if I've ever heard anyone say that, and I feel like I'm pretty big into personal development. No one's ever said personal leadership to me. Define what personal leadership is and how do we all start to get on the path to oh, be wow. great at personal leadership? Um, personal leadership, I define like so many people are focused on leading others and whether it's your kids, whether it's a team at work, whether it's a sports team. And most people can follow what you say because if I don't, then there's a consequence. Can we lead if we're low man on the totem pole and can we have people inspired to do things more and forgive about us and our mistakes based on how we carry ourselves? And how we carry ourselves from a personal leadership standpoint is a lot about our language. And it could be as simple as what exhausted me and really was a big part of my business when I first started was, was language. Ask most people how their day is. And you'll find very quickly who you're talking to. Oh, you know, I'm living the dream. You know, uh, just another day. And or they're TGIFing and it's Monday, you know. Our language is great. So what we choose to say, how we even choose to respond to that question. You know, we, I live in my positives and I manage my negatives. So it's so, we gotta be cautious about the words that we're using, the things that we're saying in here, the things we're saying out of here, because what that will do is it impacts then how you feel, it impacts how you think, it impacts the consequences thereafter, negative or positive. Hmm. So how we, the languages we choose, and I'm big on bully language. And it's in my newest book, Seven Ways to Lead. Here's a couple, when we talk about language, but, if, can't, try, just, only, should, deserve, and happy. Those are huge bully words that not only bully us and our thinking in our life, but also our people, the people that we're talking to. Hey, Cass, I'm sorry I did that, but you... If I make it to the NFL or if I get that raise, you're bullying yourself. You should have, or I should have, or I can't, or I'm going to try. That's a big one that gets so many people. Right. People come and tell me their dream and they, I, I've counted five tries that they said in their two sentences. I don't believe you. And just like, I don't believe you, neither do you believe you. Yo, no, I definitely, and it's so funny, I did a podcast earlier, and they'd asked, what's the, what's on my background for my phone right now? And I said, I have my three goals of what I'm going for this year, and what's powerful about them is I think that the most two powerful words in the English dictionary is am and will. Right. I am. And, and the way that I came up with this was it was for me, everything stems back to being a father, being somebody who grew up without a father and how now having a nine year old son. That's everything. That's how I leave this legacy. And so I am a great father. Mm. So that leads from my mindset to think differently, because if right. I'm ever in a time where I'm doubting myself or I'm wondering what is the right decision, I say, what would a great father do? I am a great father, so I have to make those. So that was a very powerful switch, and I've never even heard that before. I'm sure somebody else is like, oh, that's really good. Those words that they'll have to rewind and then write all those words down and say that is a bullying word. That's it's something a bull that right. 
and then what to replace it. And so I love that you shared that. And I definitely got to write every single one of those words down. And I heard you say trying, happy, deserve, like all those. And I'm like, oh, those are good. If you can reframe the way you talk to yourself, that's everything. And I call it under the umbrella of construction talk, like happy. Everybody likes to be happy. However, it's not appropriate to be happy all the time. There's value in our other feelings and being frustrated, angry, sad, and mad. And when we can keep our eyes wide open going through those other emotions we deem negative, that's so many lessons in that. Hmm. Who gets to be happy all the time? It would be inappropriate in certain instances to walk around being happy. And, uh, you know, deserve. It's not... Well, I deserve that raise because the fact is you don't have it. You didn't get it. Instead, the question is, I want to be great here or I would like this. What do I need to do to get it? And then can we be quiet enough to listen? And then whatever the answer is, is it reasonable, doable, and fair for who you are and what you want? And then you do that marrying what you want to do and what they need. And then we move forward. So, you know, construction talk not only works with us saying it to ourselves, and us saying it to other people, whether it's at your job or in your team and in your house. It's also what you say away from them. My second book, Seven Ways to Love, there's a chapter I talk about, no matter who I meet, I speak positively about my wife to them. She's not there. Obviously, it makes sense for me to say great things to her, but when I'm away from her, well, I say the same. And when I say those things, not only does it prepare me to go home more in love. It's also built up me in their eyes because I'm talking great about a relationship that I'm a part of. Mm. And thirdly, when my wife is now around this person, I'm not a fake. Sometimes we put our spouses, our boyfriend or girlfriend in this negative situation where you've talked trash about them to anyone who would listen at your job. And then now the company party's here. You're all hugged up with them and everybody's looking, well, why are you with them? Or, and they're thinking negatively and you feel it and they don't. So construction talk. My sons play sports. One of my sons was in the car with me and he had a, a, a friend in the back. And the friend said something about his teammate. He then started complaining about the teammate. When they got out the car, I asked my son to stay back. And I said, son, as a leader, please, do not do that again. Whether it's your boss at work, a teammate, you defend your friend, your teammate. Hey, this is that. And if you have nothing to say, you can say, and this might be for your boss. I've done this as an employee because employees need more skin in the game too. Well, I can't believe the boss did that or I can't believe the, you know, the player did that. Hey, I'm sure I'm glad I'm not in their situation. That must've been really hard. And nobody meant to miss that tackle. I wonder how they feel. Or the boss might not even enjoy the project that he's rolling out. But however, he got to deliver or she has to deliver it to us with a smile. Glad I'm not them. And then walk away. And people start to get trained, so to speak, by you on what they can speak to you about and not about. They know not to bring negativity, gossip, vile stuff your way. They'll go talk. Believe me, they will go find somebody else to share that with. You've now set an expectation that it's not for you and your name doesn't get drawn into it. So, so much of about it is how we walk into a room, how we engage and attack everything with positivity, the language that we use and how we treat people, building them up.
in front of them and away from them. All the while having a great expectation of winning, whatever that definition is. There's so much there that I definitely want to unpack. But the first thing uh, that came to my mind was you talked about how when, at, at one point you had to make a decision. You said, I've came this far and I can't stop now. A lot of the times I think where people struggle is because their environment then must change because mm. as they are growing, as they're evolving, yeah. that then means they have to leave people behind. Mm. And I think that most people struggle with that. Talk to me about yeah. when you were coming up and, and you decided to make this decision, how were you able to shift your mindset yeah. to everybody can't go with me on this yeah. journey? Um, it's a great question. And I actually talk about it on stages. I never thought that I'd be doing this in high schools. Um, however, high schools and adults need what I'm about to share as well. Uh, and I'll preface it by saying, I, I don't always believe that we need to cut people. Hmm. I've only cut one person and the person I cut was the hardest for me. But I think it's very rare um, that we have to cut people. However, I do believe that we must modify how we hang out with people and be willing to add other great people to our lives. So I call it like the five steps out of unwise relationships. And I'm going to, you know, I won't go over all five, what, what it is. At some point, you're going to get to a point where the things that you're doing and who you're doing it with has become lackluster for your life. When I moved away from Philly, and I started to become more professional and now I have jobs and I can't hang out and do the same things I was doing at 15, 16, 17 years old. But a lot of my friends still were. And it doesn't mean that they were bad people. And it certainly doesn't mean I'm gonna cut them because I'm gonna be honest with you and we all know this. When the ish hits the fan in your life, those are the guys and the women that would be there first for you, no matter what. So I don't always believe you need to cut them. You have to modify. So I said, well, this is really lackluster. Do I still value them as people and do still want them in my life? If the answer is no, then it's easy. Cut them, be done with it. If the answer is yes, I still have feelings and I still love them. However, something needs to change. Right. Then this is how we change. One, we spark the change. We don't need them to change. And we wonder what is it that we're missing? So I didn't want to go and hang out on the corner anymore. I didn't want to go to the same spots. I was dressing different. I look like I got money. We, we could be in a life-threatening situation, me hanging out with the new me, with the old you. Right. So now what do you want things to look like? Get that vision going. So I said, instead, offer an idea. Hey, instead, I'm going to come down. Let's do lunch. Let's do lunch downtown. I want to start going to nice restaurants. So I offered the idea. Some people may say, hmm, okay. And it'd be easy. Maybe they've been thinking about switching things up. They just weren't as brave as you to, to offer it. So some people will start going. And for me in my life, I know that if I was hanging out with my friends at 12 a.m. to 2 a.m., there's trouble to be had. However, how much trouble can I get into over lunch? Not much. And I could be back on the couch with my family and my real life and my life and everything's good. Nothing to lie about, nothing to get in trouble about, no consequences. Good. So lunch downtown, who's in? Whatever your lunch downtown is, who's in? Some people will come. Some people won't. And so whoever comes, comes. You have a good time. You can still keep in contact with your people. And then you start expanding your life and saying, okay, put yourself in some different circles. 
I started going to networking events. Okay, so it's professional networking events. And now through social media, there's so many groups you can join, whether it's on LinkedIn, Facebook, there's no reason, join them. And at that time, you're going, I guarantee you, you are going to bump into someone that you come away with this feeling. And it's, wow, I really like how they are. Wow, I like their vibe. And instead of trying to sell them something, let's have a call. Let's go for coffee. Let's do this. We have a conversation. And I can't tell you how many people that I've met that way, not many, but I've met people that way are still in my life today. And it's not about business and selling, it's about the connection. So I call it being eight again. When you're a kid and you see kids, you move to a neighborhood and you see kids doing what you like to do, you just say, can I play? Right. You just say, can I play? And your parents say, well, what's their names? You're like, I don't know. My son just did that last week. <laughs> right. Who are they? I don't know. They were just doing what triggered them, what, what sparked for them. Find other people. You got to put yourself as adults that we have to put ourselves in that environment. And then there's going to be these sparks. Maximize that. Now, you haven't really cut everyone. You still have your people. And every other month, I go back to Philly and I say, hey, we're going to meet for cigars or somebody's house, a friend of mine, there's two or three of us or four of us. And we can sit down and have a great time. However, I also have my new people that are my business entrepreneurs, thought leaders. And my rule is this, please steal it if you like. I wanna feel inspired, motivated, fun, and idea filled and lucky to have spent time with someone before I meet with them, while I'm spending time with them, and after I've met with them. And if all three don't check that box, I was excited to go, but when I got back, I felt dirty. I didn't feel like I liked it. Or, you know, if all three boxes aren't checked, we don't hang out. So that's that was the real transition for me. And about cutting people again, it may not be their time to evolve. There are people who I've distanced myself from and, and created a safer space for us to have a relationship. And all of a sudden, 20 years later, I'm 44 now, 20 years later, they're in the spot that I was 15 years ago. Right. And now we can rehang out again. Sometimes it's not their time. You got to know when it's yours and be willing to do something about it instead of griping and shooting that how people need to grow up and get on board and be frustrated. Yeah. So, Hey, Dream Builder, if you're anything like me, you have no idea how to come up with a quality logo or even a creative design. You know that quality is important, but it's not always the easiest to nail down, right? That's where Design Crowd comes in. Whether it's a logo, a website, book cover, or even a social media ad, they have a community of over 900,000 professional designers around the world ready to help solve your creative problem. Head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation to learn more and just for being a part of the dream nation tribe you're going to receive a special vip offer when you sign up of up to 150 dollars credit now instead of waiting weeks for an agency to pitch you an idea you'll be able to get a design of exactly what you need within just three days so again head on over to designcrowd.com forward slash dream nation and check it out yeah, so much wisdom there. I'm so glad I asked that because there's a lot of nuggets. That right there can change so many people's lives. And I think the best thing that I love about it, I mean, it was all great, but that given idea, 
right? Mm-hmm. So much of the time we're like, oh, that person doesn't, but that was genius right there. Just like, hey, I'm going to do something different. I would love for you to come and mm-hmm. do make sure that it's something that gets everybody out of their comfort zone or right. their environment. Right. Because if now I'm vulnerable and you're vulnerable, right. that's the way that we're both like, yo, it's, it's not so bad. Right? And don't cancel it because they said no. I say I'm going to, hey, I will be here for cigars or I love to go to this lunch downtown. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be, so I'm going to show up. Whoever shows up there too, great. If not, I can sit there, have a great lunch, a cigar, and a drink by myself and be just fine. (laughs) So don't cancel it because other people said no. You could create your own, uh, you know, my business didn't start off being a professional speaker. I didn't even want to speak or write. And now I can't stop. Uh, speaking and doing engagements and, you know, and shut up about it or writing books. So when I first started it, I created an organization. And at the time it was for men, it was called men evolving now. And once a month we get together in my living room and it kept growing into like hotel spaces where we would, you know, come and talk about topics and leave better than just relieved. And then we would have a go out night and it was with safe company. So you could create your own Mm. and it's amazing what it might evolve into. So don't not do it because the people won't come. Believe me, they will. And then you'll find other people that are attracted to it too. Absolutely. I'm sure somebody's out there wondering, and they say, man, he, he speaks with so much elegance. He speaks with so much wisdom, so much um, moxie. But when you first started out, what was like the books that you read? Like, do you have, what's the book? If somebody says, hey, I want to be on your path. Hmm. Give me two books for the next six months. Actually, in the next 30 days, I'm going to read two of these books. And this is how I'm going to start my personal leadership journey. What's those two books you're recommending? Wow. That's a great question. It's hard to answer. I read all the time. uh, And I suggest be a nerd. Whatever your dream is, be a nerd about it. Don't have anybody know more than you. Constantly be learning. The first book from my path, and I'm going to be very specific and niche it down, Leadership and Work-Life Harmony. I I talked with this gentleman when I first wanted to start doing work with corporations and impacting them. Didn't get the contract. However, I got so much more. And he gave me a book called The Dream Manager. And he said, I want you to read this because this is the type of thing I'm looking for and want here. Now, I was new to what I was doing. So it was all about this gentleman in the company hired another person to be a thinker, to come up with ideas that impacted their people on a professional and personal level. And I was like, wow, I love that. And if somebody in that book wrote about that and the company did that, there's millions of other companies throughout the world that are willing to do that. How do I do it best? What do I have to offer to allow this to happen in my life? So uh, niche down, it was that one. Um, the, uh, another one, that really stands out for me, ah, man, I really can't narrow another one down. The dream manager was really, really big for me. Uh, I like, um, your son's 21. He's trying to evolve, right? Mm -hmm. He wants to be on dad's path. What's that besides the dream manager, right? What other book and outside of the Bible, I know a lot of people will say the Bible, but outside of the Bible, what's that other book that you say, son, read this. To be very honest, and I and not to be uh, cocky here, my seven ways to love, and the reason I and the reason I share that here, I'll, I'll give two books: the Seven Ways to Love, and the Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman. Yeah, the Five Love Languages uh, I I love because it can apply to so much, 
is life-changing and it can be very simple. Five ways that people like giving and receiving love. And typically we love lazy. So the way you like getting it is the way you'll give it, but it might not be again, the way they need it most. So knowing what the, everyone in your life's top two languages are. So I sat down at the dinner table and I went around the table. Here's what they are. Here's the five. Which two are you? Which two are you? Which two are you? And now I know because once you know, you can't unknow. Right. And you have to ask continuously, maybe annually, because things change. You change. People change. So you don't want to be loving them off of their old language. And in my newest book, I do the, the leader seven, the seven languages that your people need to hear, want to hear and benefit most hearing because the love languages are great, but I don't need my boss to rub my back. Okay. So I don't need the physical touch aspect. There are certain things that don't apply to the work world. Um, my book, the, the seven love languages is how do we do these things? Here are the seven things that make or break all relationships, even with yourself know how to do them consistently. And these things have to be easy in common sense or else people aren't going to do it. Right. And my son is 18. My daughter's 21. They're in relationships with other people, with themselves, with their teams. And once you can get love down and you can understand love, and it's not simply doing it when you feel like it or when you feel they bully word deserve it. Can you and will you do it when you don't feel like it? When they've irked you to the nth degree, and how do we do that? So I would really say the dream manager. I would say the five love languages by Gary Chapman and, you know, seven ways to love. The abridged versions, I like an easy read and it's life-changing when you apply it. Yeah, no, definitely. The five love languages, that was huge for me. I read it what, like three years ago. And, and just like you said, like you could show up how you think someone wants, but it's normally how you want it. And if you don't really communicate that, you could find yourself in a world of hurt. And it's just because you weren't listening, you were talking too much, right? And talking to yourself a lot of the times is the problem. Um, so no, that's so fire. I'm curious to know, and this is just for me. Have you ever read The Four Agreements? I've heard of it. I have it on my list, the four agreements. I'm writing it in my notes now. Yeah. Phenomenal book as well. Um, yeah, I'm sure you'll love it. And I look forward to connecting on that. But so the next thing that I, I want to ask is knowing what you know now, and how much wiser you are. One of the questions that I always ask everyone is if you could go back in your journey and change something. And I understand that a lot of times people say I wouldn't change anything because that's yeah. what got us here. Right. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I personally don't feel like that's the truth. I feel like if we know what we know now, there is one thing that we would go back and change. Now, maybe our path would have been a little bit different, but we still would have changed that but the better question i guess we could even phrase it as is if there was one thing that you wish that you would have implemented sooner yeah. to be able to accelerate yeah. your path yeah. on your dream and your journey and your vision what would that one thing be uh you hit the nail right on the head uh i was going to say i wouldn't change anything however the concept that i would have applied is what i call the get great question mm -hmm. and it's along the same path of, of everything that we've been talking about throughout this um is Hey, I want to be great here. What do I have to do? And then shutting up and listening and then applying what they said to a degree that I'm most comfortable with to get what I want. And whether that was playing football, I play sports at every level and um, not once did I ever ask that question. I worked hard. I became a leader. I took football farther than most. However, I would have went a lot farther if I would have sat down and asked my coach, what is it that you need most from me right now? 
because we think that those in positions of leadership are true leaders and they're not all the time. Most of the time they're managing. They're so busy protecting their job. They don't know how to build their people, you know? So sitting down, I sit down with university athletics. So you got, you know, the football guys, everybody's testosterone up, chest out, everything. And I say, raise your hand here if you want to be great. Well, one, that's an assumption that everybody wants to be great. Not everybody really does. Some people are there because they want to hang out with their friends. Some people are there because they got the scholarship. Some people are there because whatever it is. Not everybody wants to be great, but most will raise their hand because it seems like the right thing to do. Right. So everybody raises their hand. I said, well, who here has asked their coach? Coach, I want to be great here. What do I need to do? When I come back 20 years from now, I want to bring my kids and I want them to see my name on something, a building, a trophy. What do I need to do? How many here have asked that question? two on average out of 80. And the coaches haven't given a response to that because they're busy coaching, doing. They're busy being busy. Same thing in organizations, same thing in our relationships. Now here's the biggest tip though. When I started teaching this get great question to the people who would ask it to their leaders, I naively did not know that I had to train the leaders on how to answer it because the one company I was doing it for, I spoke to their employees and they said, yeah, I asked a get great question. And my boss said, with so many bosses, your wife, your husband, whomever are going to say, and they're going to say this, oh, Cass, just keep doing what you're doing. It's a dagger to your motivation because right. if I keep doing what I'm doing, that means I should get what I want. How many bully words did I just say in there, right? So I had to teach the leader. So whether, you know, someone asks you this, this is how, thanks so much for asking that question. Wow, let me give it some thought and let's sit down and talk about it. Now, what I realized, why did so many people say, just keep doing what you're doing? Number one, because they're busy. They're busy being busy. They got a tornado of crap going on in their mind at mock speed, just like you do. You've been thinking about how to approach them and now ask this, you listen to the dream nation, you've got it prepared. It's out of the blue for them that you're asking them this. So one, they're busy. Two, uh, maybe they don't know if you can handle their truth. Three, maybe they have no idea of a real answer. Or four, maybe they just got to pee and you caught them on their way to the bathroom, who knows? So we want to give them permission because I'll do it with my wife sometimes. Honey, I want to be the greatest husband in the world to you. What do you need from me? You know, I, I get hit by a bus tomorrow. You'll find somebody else. You're a good looking woman. You're a great woman. You'll find somebody else, but he won't be like me. What do you need? And she'll say, I'll just keep doing what you're doing. Everything's good. I'm, no, we don't believe that now. Right. So I said, hey, listen, I, I appreciate that. But I really do want to know. We got to affirm that it's okay. Give them permission and permission to have time to think. You know, I want to ask you again later in the week. And if the answer is still the same, then great. If not, I really do want to know. We have to let them know and give them permission to really answer our question because it's a sensitive topic. And once they share it, we as leaders cannot defend dukes up and ready to fight or deflect. And I'm never speaking to you again based off of what they said. We asked. Now we need to be able to consume without responding. And then we apply. If it's reasonable, doable, and fair, we're going to do it. And we're going to do it a little bit outside our comfort zone. 
not so much that we get frustrated and bitter and wind up hating them in the task. Mm. Okay. So my wife loves projects, home projects. In the beginning, I said, all right, I'm going to click on my man button and I'm going to do this. And I hated it. And I realized that we don't play well in the same sandbox together. And it became a bigger problem. So now if my wife needs a man to do that, then I'm probably not the one that she needs to be with. I don't like it. I don't want to do it. And our relationship is worse for it. You know, so I'm more willing to help pay for it. You know, or I can, hey, you need a glass of water? Or I got the kids while you do that because she loves doing that. So there's so, so much. I was loving it. That's why I didn't want to intercept. I definitely didn't. There's so much wisdom there. And I think the, the first thing that what I, and I asked myself, why don't we do that? Because I was going to just the same route, right? Like not just asking your boss, asking your spouse, like even asking your child, like, Hey, I, I try to be the best father I could be. What do you think I could do a little bit better, you know, to be, and, and your kids are going to say, I don't know. And it's like, you know what? I will come back, you know, later on in the week. And I want to give you permission because I just, mm -hmm. I want to make sure that I'm giving everything to you um, because I know that our time here is sacred and however you want to take it from there. But I think where people struggle with that is it's the power of being vulnerable to feel yeah. like you don't have all of the answers, right? Because in the beginning, mm -hmm. we always got to feel like, oh, we're good. We already know. That's why we're living this life this way. And when you say like, hey, no, what can I do better? That makes it seem like that you already have some flaws and most people want to show up as flawless rather than mm -hmm. flawed. Well, and a lot of people are willing to add something. So I asked, what can I do? And it, even, even in our language, remember, we go back to leadership language. What can I do more? We have to be prepared as leaders of our own lives to maybe they need less. Because I did what you said. I asked my son, and I'm big on dream development. And you hear how I talk. Like in, in my life with my kids, uh, there's five different types of leaders. I'm a motivator. You know, in other aspects, I'm something else. We all play all five, giving the situation or the people that need it. However, I tend to be very motivating. What's your dream? Okay, boom, let's go. When I asked the get great question to my son, who's now 18, he said, dad, I need you to back off. Mm. So we sometimes are willing to do more, but what happens when they need you to do less? Powerful. And I said, oh, that goes against everything I am. Tell me about that. So what I learned is, you know, all, all your kids are going to be different. You know, my 20 year old doesn't listen and she's so independent that she just, she does her own thing. The 18 year old who said this is very quiet and he'll do it, but he's not going to do it when you see it. He's not going to do it when you're watching. He's hard to coach. You know, his coach can coach him, but he won't let me coach him. You know, so I had to back off and trust that he was going to be doing these things on his time and once I backed off these things started to come to fruition he was just in the paper two weeks ago for having the breakout game of his life so he was able to do those things my other son I can coach up all day we still throw in, you know in the snow and in the rain he said look if Aaron Rodgers is playing in January in Green Bay I need to be throwing in January here in Pennsylvania right he's so easy can you do leadership when it's not easy and someone needs actually some less of you? So it was marrying what he needed, but also me still needing to be a dad and have some expectations. Yeah, and we were able to marry that and it, and it worked out. That, that's super powerful. And what I was looking for, which I was glad that I didn't hear, right? And I think somebody else would be thinking it the same way, is what you said, it, the response that you said was, ah, oh, that goes against everything. Not a, <laughs> but 
here's the reason why I'm doing it, right? No buts. That's, that's not, bully you know, words. <laughs> those are huge, right? That was the bullying word. But then at the same time, that's what a lot of us would have resulted to. But the reason why I'm doing it, and mm-hmm. so that's the way that you evolve your mindset. And I have multiple stories like that that I could share as well. But that was, I was just like, I loved hearing that, that it was just, yeah, here's how I'm going to do better. That goes against everything. But tell me more about that. I want to hear yep. how we can make this a win-win for both of us. I don't want to be all on your neck, you know? And so that that was very powerful, my brother. And I hope Thank somebody you. else, man or woman, they hear that, and I'm sure they can resonate with it. That Thank is you. so powerful. Sim- simplest thing for but, replace but with a semicolon. Mm-hmm. A, a slight pause. Hey, I hear that. Most people will say, but, and then anything after, but is blaming or bull crap and people turn off, they get defensive. Take out, but, and put a semicolon, a pause. Hey, I hear you. Pause. Can you tell me more about that? Hey, I hear you. Here's pause. Here's my concern. How do we create this win-win? Cause I hear what you're saying. This over here is not wrong. How do we mesh it? So we, so you get to where you said you want to be. So that's right there. That's a te- that can change someone's life just by doing that one thing. That is potentially your race. That is potentially your job opportunity. That is potentially your marriage. That is everything right there. And so I, I pray somebody really rewinds that and they, they take it five seconds and just try to implement that five times a day because then it will become a habit that will be ingrained in your vision. And it'll be everything you need to change your life, no matter where you are in this step. And here, Cass, and, and you guys listening, here's, my, here's a final tip if we still have time. One of, one of my rules in my leaders three is this, please accompany your problem with a suggested solution. So whether your problem is with your kids, whether your problem is with your wife or your husband or your boss, your employee, most people are going to complain and gripe about it. And then it makes someone defensive or deflect and it's hard for you to get what you want. So whatever your problem is, put some, invest some time before you bring it to the person. Here's my solution. Hey, I have an idea, Cass. I would love to know what you like about it and if there's anything you'd fine tune. I call it a leader's idea. We've done some solution and did leadership on our end coming up with an idea. Then in order, what do you like about it? Make somebody say something good about it first, because whatever they say is more important than true to them than you telling them what was good about it. And then what would you fine tune? That's a power word, not a bully word, because it suggests that things are really good, are already good about the idea. You're asking them to now they can put their ego into it and make it even better. So, honey, I have an idea. I really want to be able to travel more. I love how we are when we do that. I was thinking we could do this. What do you like about it? And if there's anything you would change about it, what would you fine tune about it? And then just listen. Right. We're already on a better path than when you started. <laughs> so much wisdom. I, this has been phenomenal. I just got a couple last questions for you. I think the first question uh, that I want to ask is, if you could have lunch or dinner with anyone dead or alive in the world, who would it be? And more specifically, what question would you ask them? Mm. Um, well, here's full disclosure and real life stuff right now. I didn't bring down my power cord, so my, uh, my battery is low. Um, the other, who would I sit down with is easy. I just had this conversation. I do the question of the week with my audience, uh, social media, and my kids, you know, and my wife too. 
And we just talked about this. So it would be Jesus. Uh, it would be the devil, which sounds really weird, but I'll tell you why. Um, and my older self. One so person. One, one person. person. I got to go with Jesus what, then. Jesus, what would you ask him? Um, can you That's explain? Weird. Can you explain life and death to me? That would be my question. That's powerful. Nobody said that's where it gets because it's just asking somebody who would they have lunch or dinner with. They can always come up with that one person, Elon Musk, all these other things. When you ask them what specific one question would they ask him, that's where you really got to get concise because now you're thinking, what do I admire about that person? What has been so innovating to me about that person? And so that's where I always like to ask it. And I think a lot of people answer the question first, but on that second part, they always have to go. Hmm. But no, I think that that's powerful. Explain to me life and death. I think that we would all want to hear it. We would all want to be a fly on the wall. Uh, yeah, I, I love to hear it. There's a book out there called Dinner with a Perfect Stranger by Mitch Album, And it's about a guy who receives what he thinks is a joke from people in his office to have dinner with Jesus. And then so he, he goes to the dinner and Jesus comes and sits down with him. And he's like, oh, this can't, you're not Jesus. Like who, who put you up to this? And the more questions that he asked, and the answers that Jesus gave, he couldn't, he's like, whoa. And so slowly he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And you know, th that, that book was really just, uh, and I'm big on a nerd on, on my craft. Um, that's the one fiction outside of my lane book that just, wow. That's the book you should have named earlier. <laughs> Our conversation led me somewhere else there. So that was, we uh... got another one. We got another one out of him. So we're all good. Dinner with a stranger. We'll be sure to look that one up. And then the last question I have is there's somebody out there that love you. They love your story. They love the inspiration, the motivating tone that you had, the inspirational tone. But they still have that little voice in their head. And we've always had. And that little voice says that they're not strong enough. They're not smart enough, or maybe they just don't have enough resources. What's the one thing that you would leave that person with to get them to just take action? Uh, my thing is, at some point with your dream, with your vision and vision factors, it's not enough to have a, a have your vision. What are the three to five things, those vision factors that when you do them consistently, the vision takes care of itself. And at some point on that journey, you will be the only one that believes in you. And that's going to be okay. That's got to be okay. And the people who don't believe in you, it's not always because they're hating on you. Maybe they're cautious because they love you. Maybe because they never did anything like that. They don't want to see you hurt. Maybe they failed. Maybe they see the current results and are thinking from a safety perspective instead of a growth perspective. So not everybody that doesn't believe is hating. And at the end of the day, it's all about what you believe. So there were times in my business where I was the only one that believed in me, but I knew I wasn't going to fail. And when you do those vision factors consistently, not just when you're motivated on a Monday, not just when it's January 1st, New Year's, when you do them consistently and you don't stop, most people stop and they have a very noble reason why they stopped. My mom's sick, the kids, I got a second job. So what? And I don't want to minimize your pain and your life. I've been there. You've been there. Everybody's going to be there. It's always going to be something. Never stop. And it's amazing how much farther you'll get from everything and anyone else. Love it.
Well, there you have it, Dream Nation. For anybody, first off, I want to be the first one to say thank you, and I appreciate you, my brother. For anyone who wants to stay connected with you, we'll make sure that we put all of our uh, of your links in, in the show notes, but where can they find you at? Youevolvingnow.com. Uh, so Y-O-U, evolvingnow.com. And there you'll have access to my videos, uh, podcasts, uh, blogs every week, uh, and so much more. And whether it's the services and speaking engagements and my Evolving Lead program, my books, everything is all right there in the great hub for you. And I love Zoom calls. So if someone wants to reach out and connect, I want to talk to the people who are interested. And just if, if it's simple as getting to know you, meet and chat, or if there's more of actually doing something together and being of impact, let's talk. There you have it. Well, Dream Nation, just as he said, you have a dream, but you have to create that vision. And what are the habits that make that vision take care of itself? And that means that you have to execute. Because if you don't execute that dream that you have, as we know it, will mm -hmm. only merely be a fantasy. That's all for this one. We'll catch you on the next one. That's all we got for this episode. Thank you for sticking around. That truly means a lot to me. And hopefully that means that we delivered massive value on this one. If you haven't already, the way that you could say thank you to myself and the team is just by heading over to iTunes and leaving a review and a rating. That's what iTunes loves to see. That's how we get out there even more. And I would definitely, definitely be grateful for it. I know the team would as well. Do me a favor and head on over to dreamnationpodcast.com. That's where you're going to be able to find all of the resources that we talked about in today's episode, as well as more exclusive content. And you'll also be able to sign up to our email list where we have more exclusive content. And we always love to hear the feedback from you all because you're our tribe. So remember, in the dream we trust, we'll see you on the flip side. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. -ba -ba.